welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. And go ahead and pull out, you want to open up to the book of Isaiah, and you want to pull out your bulletin. You want your bulletin online, folks. You need to go on our website and grab our bulletin as well. You have plenty of time. If you're here, you don't have your bulletin, didn't get one tonight, or bring it from this morning, you want to absolutely pull this out. I'm going through a sermon series. And our our teaching schedule, this will conclude our uh, sermon series here on um, things you want to know, but uh, things you've always wondered, but you didn't ask. But beginning next Sunday morning, we're beginning a sermon series on Jesus. We're going to be looking at Jesus' last week, leading up all the way through Easter and or in the, the resurrection as well with that, and all the way through the end of April with that. God has brought, when you come to church here, I want to tell you when visitor zone, we have lots of visitors at this church, and they always come at two different times. And you always need to be looking for new faces. Visitors come to this church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. That's when they come here. Do you ever notice? Wednesday night, we have incredible children and youth activities at this church. We're blessed with that. If you see a new face in the fellowship hall, wandering down the hallway, you need to stop, stand in front of them, and always speak to them. Always speak to them. On Sunday morning, We had tons of visitors here this morning. You go out of your way, hold that door, and give them a warm, friendly greeting. We want to be a church of encouraging new folks. Folks will come here if they have a warm, positive experience. They'll come back. They thought the folks were friendly. They spoke to me. They were kind. They will return. I'm not going to say their name, but today... I was talking to someone who invited their friend, and they came um, to D-Now. It was, a, it was a parent, mom and dad, of one of the teenagers. And they don't go to church. And they didn't tell me this. They told the person who goes to our church. They walked out, and they were talking in the parking lot, I guess, or off to the side. And then they, the other person in our church came and told me this, that they really enjoyed this morning's worship service. They said they're going to come visit in Easter. <laughs> so, but... I, we, have to, we have to be careful and not laugh at that, but you, that's, that's on church folks. So they're going to come back again Easter. So that is a seed that was planted. They came on D now, this family, mom and dad, on church, and they're going to come revisit our church next month. You know, when we hear that, you're going to say, well, you know, we meet three times a week. You don't have to wait to Easter to come back to church here. But hey, if that's when you're going to come, we'll see you Easter. That's April 17th for that. Um, with that coming along. So I share and encourage you about that because uh, it is up to you if folks are going to return to this church. I try to always speak to everybody here, but I'm only one person. We all need to be on the greeting team here. That is most important. Why did blank happen to me? Have you ever asked that question? Why did this happen to me? God, all of the other things going on out there. Why me? I want y'all to know something. There's people born in Ukraine. Forty plus million people live in that country. I'm sure their populations and so many millions have now fled. It's now dropped. They have a humanitarian crisis going on. 
with refugees and with death. Those people are sitting in their homes, they're stuck in a subway, can't leave, miserable conditions. No food or water. I mean, soon we're going to have starvation issues going on there. And they're thinking, of all the countries, God, why did I have to be born in Ukraine and have this happen? Why couldn't I be born in any other country? But here we have to endure this. And I want to tell you, people inside of Russia are now asking that question. The Russian people, the, the economic impact that they're about to endure, the shutdowns, the misinformation they receive, they have no access hardly anymore to the internet. They're thinking, what is going on? We have, we have people in Europe, in U the Ukraine part of Europe, and then all of Russia, Asia, that millions of people asking this question right now. I didn't want this to happen. I don't hate these other people. Why do I have to live in this country, in this city that has people dropping bombs. I just want to raise my family, go to work, and live my life. That's what they're asking. But they have to go through this. And we want to know, God, why? And I think a lot of us, for this, as I was researching this, I have the Billy Graham's six steps to finding the will of God. Because we want to know answers. We want to say, God, what's your will in this situation? And I think a lot of maturity for us when we ask that question, why, we have to accept that we might not ever know the answer on this side of heaven. We just aren't going to know why this is occurring. I was, I've heard of other preachers say the two words that can answer any question. If you're ever asked a question, you can answer that with sin or Jesus. Those are the two answers to everything. Anything in life. Why did this happen to me? Because we live in a sinful world. It's fallen humanity. What's the solution? What do we do? We turn to Jesus. If you can answer every question with sin and Jesus, folks, you've got it. Because that's what the Bible teaches us. That's the answer to this question. Billy Graham gave us six steps to finding the will of God. Y'all know I'm a huge Billy Graham fan. He passed away about this time of the year. I was... I was in Brazil with Ben Biddle when I found out. We were in our hotel room. I think I saw a, a, tw a tweet or something, or Ben, you mentioned to me that he passed away. That was in 2018, four years ago, when, when he passed away. But he offers his six steps to finding the will of God. And when you're struggling with the why question and the direction, and when you don't understand something, or you are have forced to make a big decision, these are really good principles that guide us through. And he says, you need to commit your decision to God. And I want to tell you, a lot of your decisions that you make, it's okay to say, I don't know. There is nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. We are not expected to know the answer to every question of why something happens. You can always fall back on the sin and Jesus answers to everything. Say, well, it's, it's, we live in a sinful world. Number two, we need to read the Scriptures. The Bible speaks... Most of, 99% of the will of God is revealed to us already through our Bibles. That's why reading the Bible is so important. Number three, you need to understand your circumstances. And I think tying this in with what I shared about Ukraine and Russia, unfortunately, those people happen to live in countries that have historically 
have been at odds with each other. Russia wants back Ukraine because that was where the foundation of Ukraine, where Russia, the Russian language and the Russian people started there in Kiev a thousand years ago. They want it back, Vladimir Putin. And those are, the, unfortunately, the circumstances they live in. Number four, you need to seek godly advice. There is nothing wrong with you going to a fellow believer. In fact, you should do this. And you ask for counsel. Where you say, what do I do in this situation? What would you do? How should I maneuver and ha handle this? That's wisdom on, our, on your behalf when you do that. Number five, you need to trust the Holy Spirit's guidance. God is trustworthy. We have, if He has you and leads you to do something different that you weren't planning or expecting to do, or maybe something that you, well, you weren't very comfortable with doing, it's okay. We have to trust, trust Him with that. And number six, we have to trust God for the outcome. Whatever happens, we trust the Lord. God, we give you this outcome. And those are even bad outcomes. It might not have gone as we expected. But we trust the Lord. This was a learning and a growing opportunity. There was a reason God allowed you to go through this. We don't know why. And you might not know why this occurred. Why does God heal some people but does not heal other people? Why does God give some gifts to some people but not others? But we just have to say, Lord, I, I don't know all these answers, but Lord, I trust you. So let's look here in our Bibles. We're going to look at four Bible verses tonight, four different scriptures. We're going to start here in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. This is a scripture that we learn as a child that as we go through life, we are constantly coming back to. And it says, whenever you turn to the right or to the left, this is a reference to God's people. So what he means by that is your life, wherever, whatever you do, if you go right or left, even if you feel like you made a bad decision and you went the other way, your ears will hear this command behind you. And that's a command from God. God is speaking to you even when you go the wrong way and make the wrong turn. This is the way. Walk in it. And that phrase means the way isn't so much right or left. What's the way? It's Jesus. It's saying, God, wherever I go, whether I live in the United States or I live in Ukraine, or if I live in Russia, wherever you have put me in life, whatever my circumstances, that is where I'm at. I am yours. Lord, I live for you. I trust you. I don't understand all the situation. But God, that is what it means. I'm going to walk into it. So what he's saying to us, have you ever met a complainer? Have you ever met somebody who's negative? They always want to live and be somewhere else. The grass is always greener on the other side. They're, they're here, they're right here, is, they're living here on March 6th, but they're actually thinking of March 9th or March 14th, something in the future. They can't stop and live for today. And God is saying, 
Your opportunities are now. Walk in it. Don't focus on tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow could, tomorrow could be World War III. But right now, the people whom God has put in your life, whom you want to serve, you walk in that way. I want to tell you all something. Last Sunday, at the 11.15 service, Zach Bauer told me, and he's here tonight, they're still cleaning up the youth room tonight. It was, you know, they did uh, some type of, what was the name of it? Uh, last night they played Silent Disco, which was glow-in-the-dark disco night with headphones on. No music, it's like you're hearing it. Anyway, they still, the kids loved it. You have to think like a 15-year-old. So that's, what, that's, so that's what they did last night. And they made a giant mess, so they're still cleaning up from that. And, but a week ago, he was nervous and anxious because a lot of people don't want middle school boys at their house. I don't know if y'all know that. Spending two nights and three days. Um, they'll eat and destroy everything um, you own. We don't tell you that up front. That's why we, it's hard to recruit. So at the 11.15 service last week, I wanted to purposely work that in my sermon about just, hey, guys, we need to, we as a church family, we have a need here, and someone needs to step up. And Brian and Amy Kelly did. They were, they were at that service and sat right there. And they came, they texted me, I think, Sunday afternoon, few hours later and says, hey, we'll do it. Tell me more. And they told me they received a blessing from that. Do you know when you step out and you walk in the way, when you see a need, when your pastor or your Sunday school teacher says, here is a need. I want to tell you, a need we have is, is Wednesday night to pray and support our local Ukrainian community. That is a genuine need. That will be a blessing for our church, and we're going we're gonna to lay hands on and pray over Pastor Jerry. We're going to invite people to come pray over him. And we're going to take down names of who he wants us to pray for and situations he knows about over there. Because he knows about stuff we don't know about. And stuff, the people who are trapped and who are literally dying. Folks, I saw a picture. It, it was, I believe it was this morning. Before I came to church, I was reading about this. This mother and her two children went outside to run to safety, and they didn't make it. They got shot by Russians. And it is horrible. This is, this is a lady and her two kids laying dead in the street. Just laying dead. Ruthless. No reason to kill. Just... No value whatsoever for human life. And there's a mother trying to get into some ev ev escapee, evacuation line to get out of the country, become a refugee. She was just trying to, had to go up the, to the street because so many folks are living underground. They're holed up in their buildings right now. They can't get food. This, I mean, this we could see possibly hundreds of thousands of people die from this. Ukraine could be a mass graveyard. And we need to realize the dire situation that in many ways only the Lord can come intervene for this. During World War II, 
when many of the Americans were fighting in D-Day in Normandy, and they were in France and England, they were pushing back, the churches were having cottage prayer meetings, Wednesday night prayer meetings, praying for their husbands and their fathers and their grandfathers. The churches were in many ways filled with women and they were just, they, they had such little information. All they knew is thousands of people were dying. And they were filled up with folks in the 1940s crying out to God to intervene. And He did. He stopped the war. And that's why we could be facing this. So when we see this Scripture here, don't worry about your right or your left. You look at the now, and this is what you need to be doing. You look at the, the urgency of today, and right now, we need to be desperate praying for our Ukrainian brothers and sisters in dire times. God's telling us, if you want a blessing, what you do, just like the Kellys stepped up when they saw a need, they stepped up and said, hey, we'll open up our house. We might not be the biggest fan of middle school, middle school boys, but hey, it is what it is. They can come over here, and they, can, they had a wonderful time. And they received a blessing from that. When you see a need, you step up and say, God, I'm here. I'll do it. All right, turn over in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. This is more, guys. We're going back to your left. Right after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. This is our second scripture we're going to look at tonight. About answering the question, God, why did this happen to me? And one of the things answering this is when that point Billy Graham made about seeking godly counsel, that's something we, a lot of times, we need to always think should someone else speak wisdom and truth to me about this? Because there might be something I'm missing. I could be blinded to something on this issue, on what I'm dealing with. I need other people praying for me as I go through this. And the Bible tells us here, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, without guidance, a people will fall. Without guidance, a people will fall. Now, I interpret that guidance as twofold. The guidance, number one, is guidance from the Lord. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit, you want to be praying for the Holy Spirit to guide our church. Yeah, I want to tell you, some of the things we're talking about in our deacon body is our African worship service. You know, we did that last week. We're praying about, we're seeking the Lord about, doing the, making this a permanent thing, possibly in a few months, where we launch on Sunday nights. Sunday nights becomes our African worship service when Raphael and Innocent would be leading that service and it would be a mission service of course it would be in English with a intention a special intention of reaching our African community right here in Lexington when I say African I'm talking about people from the continent of Africa in using a special service there's not one like that here in this city, that we can use this time slot for reaching that people. That's a very niche, specialized mission service we can do. So we want to seek guidance. When we, whenever we do that as a church, it says here, without guidance, the people will fall. Because we want to create buy-in. 
We want the church to be behind it. We want people praying for it. We want to be successful. We want to see new faces saved. I mean, I'll tell you this. Last Sunday, we had two people saved in our African worship service. That's confirmation to me from the Lord that God's blessing that service. Two people got saved there in that service. That's exciting and encouraging to see. That's a need we can meet here in our community. So the Bible's telling us, when we're wondering about, God, what's your will? What's your plan? We need to think, who can I turn to to receive guidance for this? Because the Bible tells us we need to do it. And he says, but with many counselors, there is deliverance. Look at the positive of this. If you don't have guidance, you're going to fall. But if you have counselors, if you have people giving you godly wisdom who are lifting you up in prayer, you won't fall. You will be delivered in this situation. And I want to tell you, for us as believers, you need to have, you need to have a community of counselors, of people you can turn to, and they're there for you. They lift you up to the Lord. They give you uh, wisdom. And I want to tell you this. Say, Pastor, how do you know the difference between wisdom and opinion? When someone benefits, when someone comes and offers you some advice or guidance or whatever uh, instructions and they're wanting you to do something but they, they have a personal benefit from doing that. At that point, you have to stop and say, okay, is this godly guidance? Is this what's really best? Because this is best for them. Here's a perfect example of that. I mentioned the African worship service. Let's just say, someone comes up to me and says, Pastor, I don't want the African worship service because, and they start listing out reasons. It might be, it goes too long. I've never done it before. It's not who our church's identity is. Now those might, I wouldn't even say that's true, all of those things. We can't assume all of those things. But in many ways, that person might just be reluctant to change or try something new, so they're just against it by default. A lot of times when people all of a sudden have stuff sprung on them and they're not used to that, I mean, for me, I'll be truthful, I have never been to an African worship service except for last Sunday. That was new for me. I didn't know what to expect. I had no clue how long it was going to last, what was going to occur. But that there... I witness that this could be something bigger. God has blessed our church with many wonderful African families who are devout in their faith with Jesus. And God could use them in their relationship connections to reach a segment of this city that I myself and possibly you could not reach. Yet God has brought people who can do that. And the kingdom will be advanced. We will be, have a missional, missional attitude towards our city. And the gospel will flourish. That's why I told you, 270 
five million lost people in Canada and the U.S. Of those, 40 million born in another country. That's who the African worship service reaches. That's why we need to be doing this. That's why we need to be praying for it. And one of the things for us, if we're if something for our, our attitudes, if we aren't something that's just because something is different or unique or we've never done it before, doesn't mean we need to oppose it. There's no reason we shouldn't give this a try, give it a shot, and just see what God will do with it. Watch God use Raphael and Innocent and raise these godly young men up and flourish them, reaching their communities right here. But that we do this and we succeed when we have godly counsel doing it. Keep going here in your Bible now. Seeking guidance. Look up back in your Bible to the book at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4 actually tells us what God's, God's will is. God's will, we need to understand God's will is, is two parts. First of all, He has what we call a revealed will. His revealed will is what 99% of the time we know this. It's what God has told us in Scripture. We read our Bible, He tells us what His revealed will is. And then we have something what we would call His secret will. His secret will is something we do not know. It's a secret. It's unknown to us right now. It's one that will be hidden from us, but until we seek the Lord, we will not know. Like a perfect example of a secret will, or a, or a hidden will, is we're praying about an African worship service. We're praying. We know that God has, wants us to reach the nations with the gospel. We know God wants us to be intentional of reaching Lexington with the good news. But truthfully, this time yet next year, we have no clue what it will hold. We don't know if it will flourish. We pray it flourishes. We don't know where it will go and what families will get connected. We don't know how the response is going, to, is going to be. That's what we would call God's secret or hidden will. God's not going to tell us, oh, this would be great. You need to, you'll have great success in five years. All we, know, we hang to is Jesus told us to reach the nations with the gospel. And it starts in our neighborhood, right here in our city. We have an incredibly diverse city, and we reach our neighborhoods through our church, being on mission with God. That's what we call the revealed will. He's told us what to do. We don't know what the future holds. It's his secret or his hidden will. Look here at an example of God's revealed will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. God's word speaks to us here, beginning in verse 3. It says, for this is God's will. So God's God is telling us His will at this point. Here it is. Your sanctification. Sanctification is holiness. That means we are set apart for God. God wants His people to live, act, talk different. We're different from this world. That's what set Mr. Oscar Sheway so much different than maybe all the other college basketball players and other athletes out there. The man was different. He loved the Lord. Not all of them, but a lot. He had a passion for God and very devout. 
that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. So he's saying people who know the the Lord, they don't live this uh, lustful, immoral life. They've devoted, they're holy even in their sexual relations. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or a sister in this manner because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses as we also previously told and warned you. I don't know if I've ever told this story here. I remember, you know, I got married when I was 24 years old, I believe. And after I got out of college, the church I was a part of had a singles ministry, like a 20-something singles ministry. And we went on this, some type of retreat or camp, like a little weekend thing. It's like D-Now for like 20-something-year-olds. Everybody was there single. And the speaker for this event, the conference speaker, he, he was probably about 50, and he shared a story because he got saved out of a sexually immoral life. And he said, he, in his 20s, would go to church and take advantage sexually of the church girls. And he said the reason why is because he knew how to manipulate them. He sort of went to church. He says his background was he knew that he gave somewhat a halfway appearance of being holy and godly that these girls at church would think, well, he's, he's a Christian guy. I guess I can date him. He seems de- decent. He might not go all the time, but he sometimes talks about the Lord. He sometimes talks about Jesus, and he would take advantage of them. And he says they, they would fall for it. All of them would. He said just like that. And Now, this had been 20 years earlier in his life. God delivered and convicted him of doing that, and he was saved out of doing that. But... The Bible tells us here that even in church among Christians, there could be wolves among the sheep who show up and they have ulterior motives. They give this outward appearance. Oh, that's a good boy. That's a good girl. When they know, they know what people are looking for. And they're taking advantage of them. And the Bible tells us when you do that in verse 6, God will avenge you for it. Meaning, he will, you will be judged for taking advantage sexually of God's people. It's immoral and it's wrong. God's people don't do that. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. We're not, we're not to live impure lives. Folks, that involves how we dress. That involves impurity, what we listen to, the type of music, our TV shows what we watch on our phones and our, compu- our computers. If it's immoral, it's not for you. God's people are, are called to purity. These teenagers here, they are struggling with a massive culture that is pounding them with impurity. A message for young people today, it's not just young people, all people, is you are called to be pure. 
called out of this immoral, impure world and called to Jesus. Christ is saying here, you live in holiness. This, I tell you, this is a message, Gene, that could be preached anywhere. That is timeless. The immorality around us. If you're a preacher, you can just go around preaching. Verse 7. God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. So what's God called you to do? He's called you to holiness. That means you are called to be set apart. You are to called to be different. You are called to God. It's a countercultural life that we live. Consequently, anyone who does or who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you His Holy Spirit. So I want you to know, when someone rejects your message of the Gospel, if you go and invite someone to this church, if you go this upcoming Easter season, and you say, hey, have you considered what Jesus did? Have you considered the claims of Christ? Have you turned from your sins and turned to Jesus? and they reject you, the Bible says they are not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. We take comfort in that. You will never be rejected. The Lord is the one who gets rejected. I can't save anybody. The Lord's the Savior. So when they say no to me or you, all I am is the messenger. All I am is the guy that creates the opportunity that shares the Gospel so they can be saved. So they can respond. Last section here. Flip over in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're talking about here, why did this happen to me, and how do we respond when things occur to us? And we go back to the story of Abraham. Abraham lived in the Ur of the Chaldeans, and God called him out of this. He was a nomadic man. He wandered around. He was married to Sarai, Sarah, and they had no children. And God's going to do something great with this man. He's going to make a promise to Abraham. Just like He makes a promise to us. And Abraham struggled with this. He didn't make any sense to him, but God credited him with righteousness. With that. And it says here in verse... Starting in verse 2. Genesis 15, 2. Abraham has this vision. The Lord comes and speaks to him. And he tells him, you're going to have this great reward, Abraham. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. That's Eliezer of Damascus is a slave. Look, Abraham continued, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Abraham and Sarah had no children, but they had a slave who had a child. So if Abraham and Sarah pass away, it falls to their slave, their inheritance. So God is making this promise to Abraham. And he says, you're going to be a father of a great nation. All the stars, the sand on the seashore. Abraham, they're going to come from you. You will be a great father of this nation. And Abraham's looking around thinking, what? There's no way. I don't even have any children. We're old. Like, this is, I'm getting ready to retire. We're not going to do that. Folks, you need to remember, as long as you're alive, you're living for God. 
If God has given you another day to live, that's your day you serve the Lord. We never quit living for God. We never quit trusting God. Any opportunity you have, even if you're on your deathbed in the hospital, you use it for the Lord. It's another day that God has given you. Abraham doesn't understand. So verse 4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir, meaning that the slave of Eliza of Damascus. He took him outside and he says, Look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them. Then he said to them, Your offspring will be this numerous. Meaning, Abraham, you will be blessed like these stars. You don't realize how wonderful the blessing is going to come to you. And Abraham is standing out there looking at these stars. Nothing adds up in his life. And he believed God. And look what it says. This is the key verse. This is why God chose Abraham. Folks, this is why God chooses you. This is why God has brought you to this church. This is why God has done, done wonderfully unique things in this church. What a blessing it is to serve in this church. right? That, remember, we are sitting in the church that, according to a police officer, this, this past revival, this fall, told us this was the busiest intersection in the entire state of Kentucky. Right here. Right there. People never stop. I sit up here during the day, I just hear sirens just go back and forth all day long. Everything in the world drives by us. God has placed you here for a purpose. And that's for Him. God has allowed us, brought people from the nations, has blessed our wonderful location, our wonderful ministries that we have here. We're blessed to be able to have D now and these children come here. We're blessed to be able to pray for Annie Armstrong this week. We're fortunate to have Pastor Jerry come from the Ukrainian church and we lay hands on him this coming Friday and pray for him. That's an honor and a blessing to be able to do this. You never miss an opportunity. And we look at this. In Abraham it says, he believed God. He believed the Lord. And God credited it to him as righteousness. God saw that Abraham believed what he said. He says, you're going to be like the stars. Lord, I believe you. Doesn't make any sense. I have no idea why this is occurring. Nothing adds up. I don't know. I can't explain it, but Lord, if you said it, I believe it. Folks, that's how people get saved. When you tell someone, a lost person, how to get saved, you, you, all, you can't explain everything. They have to come to a point where they just believe Jesus. Abraham just had to trust God. You get to a point where, all, where they just have to step out and say, are you ready to get saved? It all isn't going to make sense. And you're not going, nothing's, everything's not going to be explained to you. So answering this question tonight and wrapping up this entire two-month sermon series here, why did blank happen to me? Why did this happen, God? God takes us out and He looks, He shows us the stars. He says, you see all these stars? I am the Lord. I made these stars. And if I tell you, Abraham, that your offsprings is going to be as numerous as these stars that you can't even count, you just believe me. 
The answer to that question is we trust the Lord. On this side of heaven, we will not know. All we say is, God, I trust you. I don't know what the future holds, but Lord, I'm yours. When you turn, when you walk, turn to your right, or you turn to your left, whichever way you go, this voice speaks to you. He comes behind you, and he says, this is the way, walk in it. Meaning, whether you go right, left, up, down, you live your life for the Lord. Instead of us getting angry and trying to figure things out, God is looking for us to say, Lord, I trust you. And God says, I'm crediting you as righteous. God, I pray for the folks in this sanctuary and the folks online right now. Lord, many of us are struggling with why. I know our fellow Ukrainian friends are struggling with why. They don't know. It's hard. Jesus, I pray that we, as a body of believers here in our wonderful city, will be faithful in praying for our Ukrainian friends and be an encourager to our our Ukrainian neighbors that live here in Lexington. We pray for the Ukrainian Pentecostal church as they are grieving right now. They're hurting. Lord, I pray that our church will be a church of encouragement for young people, for Ukrainians, and for people of all ages. Lord, I thank you for us bringing us here, and I pray that this time is what time that you credit us as righteous. We trust and respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single service here faithfully with our hymn of invitation. You want to come pray at this altar. You want to come take my hand for prayer. This is our time to respond to the gospel. So let's stand up. I'll be standing down front. You come take my hand and make a decision to follow Jesus. All right?